Welcome to Storyboard. I'm Lars. I'm Meg. Today we're devoting our entire episode to wrapping up this whole dang decade. We'll each chat about eight notable films from the 2010s that we've recently discovered, and if they're worth a watch, and we'll close out with one last glorious original pitch. Pull up a chair, baby. As Lars mentioned, uh, we are not, I don't think we're really superlative people, like top 10 kind of people. I feel like I am too. And I think I've never been a person that's been able to say like my favorite movie, my favorite book, because it's all like, oh, my, I love this thing or I love that thing for that. So uh, we decided for our 2019 wrap up episode we would just do a little bit of a 2010s film diary, uh, mm-hmm. taking you through some of our finds, uh, some notable films that spoke to us in one way or another that you're not probably going to see on a top 10 list. I mean, maybe. If, uh, a few of mine, the, maybe. I don't know. If the, it's like a cool a cool film critic. Yeah. Not like those <laughs> like, other film A cahier de cinema. Uh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> some of mine probably don't Oh, I'm gonna go, I go into a little... Yeah. We'll, we'll go in we'll, a second. Yeah, we'll a little rabbit it. hole of that. But these are just some, some little treats that we picked up uh, from the 2010s that we'd like to share with you. And we... Have it's like a super sode because we have, each are bringing eight films. Whoa, we were gonna do ten. Actually, we were, we started like we'll do one from each year. Yeah, and immediately we're like, no, no, because some years I'm like, I feel like there's four picks from 2015 and oh, zero yeah. from 2011 or whatever. Feast and so, famine, man. Feast yeah. and famine. So I was like, we're like, wait a minute, we're making the rules. We can do whatever we want. Um, <laughs> this isn't an assignment. <laughs> yeah, we're acting like we're just the students. We're not also the teachers giving yeah. out the doling out the assignments. <laughs> yeah. um, so we're just trying to punish ourselves. So we were like, fuck it. We don't even have to do ten. We could no. do eight. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> I love that number. Yeah, we're like, sure. I don't and know. I don't know why. Arbitrary. Yeah, just because, well, the decade's not technically over, right? Because 2020 is also part of, like, the 10s. It's like... What? Right? I think so. Is it so. one of those, like, the Seinfeld, like, the Millennium's New Year or I some think it's one like of that. those pedantic things. I mean, who oh, cares? God. Whatever. Here's some it's movies. The, just that, so we have the 20s. I just want to finally be able just, to say what my decade is with yeah. confidence. The aughts, the knots. Oh, no. yeah. The teens. The oddies and the naughties. Yeah, no. That way I'm just like, it's the 20s. Yeah. Man. All over again. Yeah. Oh boy, the jazz we know how that age. ended. Great. Yeah. The jazz age. Ah, the rise of fascism and worldwide depression. And it's not even the twenties yet. It's not even the twenties yet. All right. Well, I did peruse and I also was well, sorry, as I say peruse, I just realized the word I just found that the word peruse does not mean skim, it means to read thoroughly and studiously. So I didn't peruse. You I skimmed. <laughs> no, um just on a little note, I was looking at, I got a little soapbox here. I was looking at Vulture's, like, 2010s, like, here's every movie. I mean, how they do, like, this is every movie that was released in yeah. 2010s. But, like, in, you know, from uh, best to worst, worst or whatever. And there were, like, 5,200 of them. And, of course, it's just, like, here's the middle chunk right. of, of 3,000 movies, right. whatever. <laughs> and their number one was Melancholia, which I don't agree with. And their worst movie was... I think the um, Avengers Infinity War, whatever the last one was, I don't know. I have no context and for that. I thought that was unfair just because I'm like, it's not. I did happen to watch it just because I was like in a weird mood the other day really? and I watched it. Yeah, I know. Don't question me. I just did it. I don't know. I was like, <laughs> don't question. Just anyway. 
And it was like fine. It was fine. It was not the worst. I was like, maybe Come did on, they pick man. it because it's just emblematic of like I, how terrible exactly. everything is? And I was like, I mean, a political pick. Come on. I mean, I guess they had to make a big bold statement. They couldn't just shit on like, what was that? Um, the snowman that <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? I was trying Everyone's to think like, there, like are, there are I don't know worst what happened. Movies. Yeah, technically, that's all I'm worst saying. Movies. Anyway, I guess it's the worst movie to make a billion dollars. Is the oh, uh, maybe it had to have one? A, not yeah. the snowman. <laughs> I made a billion dollars. <laughs> Top grossing. <laughs> yeah. When did avatar come out i don't even know 20 years ago five I years ago i have no idea Who so anyway that say? was just a separate <laughs> beef i had just your own beef Lars's anyway beef with the middle and 3, i i was so caught up in that i forgot to look up all the other things on my list i'm like look up like you know film comments top movies oh, and yeah. i was like it's just gonna be like holy motors and stuff i so know whatever. yeah um so my point is obviously the top films should be like Moonlight and stuff. So not Melancholia because fuck that. Did they say that was the best movie of the decade? Because yes. I actually really did love Melancholia. I mean, I, I can feel our bunch of just like. But, okay. Yeah. Oh, you would hate. You're going to hate one of my picks then. You're going to well, hate Well, okay. You know, that's, but you know, that's, you know, discussion. That's the spice of life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, uh, my first one, I just went in um, chronological order just okay. to kind of choose an order. And then some years, like I said, I've got, there's, I've, Basically, this is 2013, so okay. nothing before that was apparently worth talking about. <laughs> okay. And then there's several from other years I can't remember. So, Coherence. This actually, I did sneak in a, an actual like kind of guilty pleasure fave of mine. Yeah. So, just don't worry about it. Don't fight me on it. You know, it's just, no, this it's is like the fun. fun. This is, I had to have a fun one for yeah. me. It's directed by, really, this is his only feature film uh, but directed by a storyboard artist, different kind of storyboard. Right. Sorry, I don't know why. I was like, I really need to put that in there. <laughs> yeah, uh, James Ward Burkett. So, again, guilty pleasure alert. I am a sucker for any movie that fucks with time anomalies and different dimensions and shit. And I know that's basic. I don't care. And I concede that most uh, sci-fi movies of that ilk are often disappointing. So I got it. But without giving too much of the plot away. A group of friends are having a dinner party the same night a mysterious comet is passing over Earth. Um, strange things happen and like sort of like people are knocking at the door. Yeah. Wait, wait, no one's there. And as various people and groups of people leave the house to sort of check out various disturbances, they begin to question if every guest, like so guests are coming and going, coming back and kind of reporting back on, yeah, this crazy thing happened or whatever. And they begin to question if every guest at the party is who they say they are. And also they figure out, like, what needs to be done before the comet has completely passed. So it's, I've tried to keep it vague. Yeah, um, I think so that's really appropriately know. vague yeah, for yeah. this movie. And have you seen it? First yeah. Time? Okay. I, I think I think it's a treat. It's pretty uh, fun. It's, it is pretty fun because it's, it's the kind of sci-fi I like where it's not... I am going to talk about a kind of grand sci-fi. But, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, it's... There's nothing in it. Like, it doesn't rely on practical effects or mm-hmm. anything. Yeah, like, yeah. it's very just... Just people um, at parties, like, whispering. I'm like, like ooh, I think so-and-so shouldn't be here. I'm yeah. like, ooh, I love like it. Like a dinner Sorry. party yes. kind of thing. And then, you know, uh, starring, what's his name, Xander from Buffy the I Vampire. Know, I was going to say this. Okay. My little, uh, Sorry, little note. Uh, how could you? Spoil it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, Nicholas Brandon is, like, basically playing himself. And also, I wanted to say that the director of Hustlers... Lorraine Scafaria is an actor uh, in it as well. So oh I my god, was, really? I know, isn't that weird? I didn't. I don't know if she was in other things. Oh, I didn't look that up. Interesting. I thought that was interesting. I'll have to. I look think up she she's... might be the person that like lives at that house, like okay. the homeowner, maybe. Okay. I want to say anyway. Gotcha. Oh, something else that I thought was incredible when I um, found out about it 
is that it's mostly improvised, which Whoa. I don't know how you improvise a sci-fi film. Um, and I usually hate films with improvisational elements because I wouldn't trust an actor that much. No. To, if I were a writer, I'd be like, um, I don't especially, think so. <laughs> yeah, especially a sci-fi premise. Yeah. Like, and so I'm assuming that maybe... That like the actual like elements and like the the plot points weren't improvised yeah. that were written out and then just more of like the chatter yeah um, was improvised. But I just thought that was weird. Yeah. Um, but it's available for free on Vudu and Hulu. So it's, check it out. Yeah, I that's a good that's see that's a good pick because it's it's pretty fun. Yeah. And you know it's just a different something different. Uh, that's all I'm really ever looking for. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that said. My first one is not really something different, <laughs> but that's okay. It's Avengers. <laughs> Surprise! You said it was a grand sci-fi. Okay, no, sorry, it's no, not this no, one. Not this one. Um, I don't have mine in. I think maybe I put them in an order that makes sense to me, but mm-hmm. there's not chronological order. Yeah. But this one is 2012, so I'm backing it All up. Right. <laughs> uh, what's in a name? Or the French title is Le Prénom. Who knows? Is written and directed by Alexandre de la Patelier and Mathieu de la Porte, uh, adapted from their play of the same name. And this film, oh, here's a connection, also okay. takes place mostly over one dinner. Okay. And it's this couple, Elizabeth and Pierre, and they're having her brother Vincent, his pregnant wife Anna, and their childhood friend Claude over for dinner. And so the main couple are like these liberal academics. And Claude is a professional musician, and then Vincent is just, like, this rich man who's made a lot of money in real estate. So he arrives early. He's also a sort of a narrator, but he barely pops in. He arrives early before his wife, and he decides to announce to everybody what their future child's name is. And this basically turns the entire evening into this all-out knockdown confrontation (laughs) where, like, it's so many awkward confrontations over their entire history together because basically everyone in the movie has known each other since childhood so Mm -hmm. they've got all the dirt on each other and all the stuff is coming out it's super funny but it's really incredibly anxiety inducing in that fun way where you're like in a like a totally tense social situation but you're not involved so you just kind of be like what's gonna happen now oh shit (laughs) what did he say (laughs) so i mean i love witnessing those yeah uh, and I don't really get to see it enough now that everyone that I know is like currently in their 30s and in kind of the domestic stage before the 40s hit and yeah. all the shit hits the fan. Yeah. So it's kind of like a more fun carnage, mm-hmm. which is that Polanski movie. Uh, yeah. Which, <laughs> sorry. By the way, it's kind of crazy that Kate Winslet and John C. Riley and Jodie Foster are all in this Polanski movie in like 20, I don't know, in the 2010s. Yeah. And I mean, He's like, a, hello. Uh, yeah, yeah, anyway. Well, it's before anyone cared about, like, oh, wait, this is going to, at the very least, reflect badly on yeah. me if I am in this. And to be fair, like, I think I saw it and didn't really know. So, you know. I hey. saw it and, I mean, no excuse there. No, I'm just like, I didn't. Oh, I guess he's important, so I guess i got to, yeah. you know. But you know what? I don't remember being good. And this movie is not <laughs> strangers. It's people who've known each other most of their lives. Yeah. And it's this charming French comedy where, like, it's actually, even though it gets really, like, whoa crazy it's like in a fun way yeah and i think french comedies kind of get a bad rap for being a little formulaic and this one is too but i think the dialogue is so razor sharp Mm -hmm. that it's it's a treat and it's on canopy for free if you have a library card and your Mm -hmm. library subscribes to canopy but yeah i should say that with it but you know you know yeah come on well this is a perfect segue because i just realized that my next one is 
very similar themes Ooh. to mine and yours as far as dinner parties. It's French. Um, you and the Night from 2013, directed by Jan uh, Gonzalez, his first feature-length film. And it's the exact same thing. People kind of at a dinner party, well, at an orgy technically in mine, but anyway. Hey, um, so at the end of the year, each year I usually um, kind of skim, not peruse, <laughs> anyway, so the Cahiers de Cinema lists of uh, the best film of each year, mostly because I like to predict what those type of critics, specifically the sort of French critics usually yeah. like. And so, okay, here's my usual, here's my theory of like every list um, from every, each year. Usually there's like five French movies that showed at Cannes, like so like indie darling French movies. Uh, Spiel, whatever Spielberg movie was released that year, one other American film, maybe like Jeff, Jeff Nichols or some other like darling of the French. Two films from another European country, probably Germany, Poland, and possibly something from Russia. And then like one token film chosen from the entire continent of Asia. Oh, so just okay. so you know, that's, that's usually what we're working with from them. So I'm not saying I agree with all that. I just kind of like to be like, well, well this year it's going to be who's, what's yeah. going to be the Spielberg that's, you know, <laughs> anyways, that kind of thing. So just a little nerd game that I play with, you know, anyways. So... Um, bouncing off of that, this was on their end of year list for 2013. And I've got a few other picks, like, accidentally of, of theirs as well, I'll mention. So, a man, a woman, and their genderqueer maid. Um, so in this, like, adorable, like, French maid's uniform yeah, like, thing the whole night. This guy, okay. like, in heels and whatever. It's so cute. Anyways, uh, they invite several people over to their gorgeous apartment for an orgy. Um, as you do, everyone goes by names like the star, the slut, the stallion, the bitch, the transvestite, the teenager. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess they have, maybe they mention their actual names too, but I think for the origin, they you this can call my... me the stallion. <laughs> wow. Uh, or at least they're in the credits that way. Check, please. Yes. <laughs> um, everyone gives a little monologue throughout the night about their whole backstory or just something that, you know, the director or the writer deemed was important enough for us to know. Yeah. Um, and we learn more and more about each guest and what brought them to the party or this point in their lives. Um, eventually, we learn the most curious origin of all, the hosts and their maid, which ends up being this fantastical story that spans centuries. What? So not a lot of reality in this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, okay. more of an allegory situation. I'm usually not into, like, kind of like Car Carnage, actually. I'm usually not into films that seem like they're plays. I don't know if yeah. Carnage specifically was, but, you know, where it's like... Oh, it's yeah, all, it was. It was. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, films that are like, it's all in one place. Happens over one... Like, I love films that happen over one night, but I think I like that. It's like in an after... Yeah, in an after yeah. hour sort of way. Um, so when it's in one place, it's fine and it can be done well, but I'm usually not a huge fan. But this film is stylish and sex positive and melodramatic in that, like, best of ways. Probably the closest approximation of the type of 70s sort of sexy film Ooh. I'm obsessed with um, that I was kind of afraid I wouldn't be able to find in the 2010s. Yeah. And that's what made me sort of reticent about this this journey we've been yeah. on, you know. <laughs> so, and, and it's kind of in short supply, honestly. In the yeah, 2010s movies, for, you know, for my taste. And one last thing of note is they're super modern it's like an apartment, but I I want to say they might be in the country, too. I can't remember, oh, honestly. Anyways, but they have this stereo system that I want to exist where you put your hand in this sort of like between these bits of glass and it plays music based on like your mood and what it thinks you like. This Whoa. is what you need right now or whatever. And I'm like, ooh. That's and very like the Star lights, Trek. I know. I like the lights change. And so it's really fun. And uh, said music 
Uh, speaking of which, uh, M83 did oh, the yeah. soundtrack, and the guy from M83 is the director's brother, which I just oh, figured interesting. out. <laughs> um, so anyway. Uh, avail- That's very early 2010s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. This is perfect. Um, and it's available for free on Canapé. Oh. So, yeah. Yes. So my next one, I actually don't know exactly how I should say the title in English or Japanese because I never got around <laughs> from my, in my basic, extremely basic Japanese class. Did not learn how to pronounce fractions or millimeters. Oh, wow. <laughs> but yeah. uh, the English title, I guess, would be 0.5 millimeters, half a millimeter. Yeah. Who's to say? Yeah. Half of a millimeter. You can picture it. Yeah, yeah. It's from 2014. It was directed by Momoko Ando based on her own novel of the same name, and it stars her sister, Sakura Ando, who is probably best known for playing the younger woman protagonist in Shoplifters, the Mm. Koreeda movie from last year. (laughs) Some year prior. 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 So Ando plays Sawa, who is a home health care worker for this family who asks her to do a favor that's, like, against the rules of her job, but she agrees to, basically out of empathy for them. Uh, and that goes terribly wrong. Bad choice. And she finds herself in a truly unfortunate series of events where she ends up without a job, without a place to live, or without any of her money. Oof. So she survives her first night by kind of... I don't even know how to describe what she does in this or throughout the movie. She kind of railroads slash scams this elderly man at a karaoke venue. But by the end of the night, he's so grateful to her that he gives her money and thanks her. And it sets up this dynamic that sets her path for the rest of the film. Mm -hmm. So basically, she goes around and finds these elderly gents who are doing something they shouldn't be. And kind of strong arms them into bringing her home with them. But then once she's there, the dynamic immediately shifts to her really helping them or kind of developing these interdependent relationships. So, you know, she'll save somebody from getting scammed in a pyramid scheme or she helps someone take care of his wife. Hmm. Like, it's just this very interesting, really hmm. moving dynamic. Um, you remember last time, maybe it was last episode, I mentioned that I wanted more films about chosen families that were driven by loneliness or desperation, and Mm -hmm. this definitely fits the bill. Mm -hmm. And it's alternatingly totally bleak and really deeply funny because Mm -hmm. there's all this stuff about basically the inheritance of a very gendered power system in -hmm. Japan with all this wealth concentrated in these old men. But then it's also just about, you know, the loneliness of older people that... Older people in the movie are humans who have their own flaws and not mm-hmm. just these wisdom, like, oh, these wise old fellows that yeah. impart all this wisdom. Like, they have their own f- frailties and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. So it does have a three-and-a-half-hour runtime, which Ooh, I know is a big ass. steep. <laughs> but it's way better than Irishman. Uh, and it, it really... I mean, it's fine. It's good, I guess, but you just but, forget about it immediately. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but this movie really sticks with you, and I think the runtime does allow Sakura Ando to really develop Sawa's character and keep adding dimensions to it. So it's not like, oh, she's just a scammer or mm-hmm. she's an angel, like she's just a human being. I don't know. I think she is a really underrated actress. Yeah. 
And it was pretty difficult for me to find. I tracked down a Region 2 DVD from the library Silk Road, but I'm hoping it becomes more available, maybe with her getting more attention in the wake of Shoplifters. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's so worth tracking down, though. I totally want to watch it. It's funny how I, when I first started watching movies in college, I'm like, I'll watch uh, a movie that's seven hours long. You know, I was just like, I loved it. And then I feel like in the last few years, I'm like, oh boy, like fuck that. But yet I will, sorry, this isn't like any kind of new point of view, but like I'll binge something for like eight hours and it's no no problem, like a series. I don't know. So I'm like. It just depends because, you know, know, I loved, I mean, one of my actual top movies of the decade would be Happy Hour which is like five hours long, yeah. and that's a 2015 movie that I, wa- I watched them in, you know. You know in bits or whatever, in bits. yeah. Uh, so. Can't get another blood clot, so. <laughs> Deep vein thrombosis. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Can't go back to that. Yeah. So I get, but I get what you're saying. It's like I. Isn't that funny? Just It's just the idea of, oh, wait, this is meant to be, I guess, viewed in one yeah. sitting versus, oh, I'm being so bad by keep watching episode yeah, after episode. Yeah. So I don't know. It's dumb. It's... Yeah. Some things I love that are super long and some things I'm like unnecessary. Like I said, yeah. my God, half a millimeter, 0.5 millimeters, whatever. Yeah, I yeah. was just like, oh, this is just an incredible <laughs> no, that sounds great. movie. It's so good. And funny enough, a good segue uh, and a lot of themes um, with my next one, Magical Girl, 2014, directed by Carlos Vermut. Or maybe like Vermu or something, but he's Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, I always try to French up. I'm like, Vermu. And I'm like, nope, that's uh, <laughs> not how that works. Okay. Uh, so I've spoken a few times about Kian de Cantara and um, that I wanted to watch this earlier film by its director. And so I did. Um, so, <laughs> uh, this is, so this is on my radar from a while back. So, a single dad goes to extreme lengths to acquire an expensive present for his young daughter who is dying from cancer. The present is a costume worn by her favorite Japanese anime character. The dad's actions begin a chain of events involving a very odd, rich woman and her sordid past that all eventually backfire and in an unexpected way. So I did go into this expecting a mystery film, but of course I was pleasantly mm. surprised. I was like, oh, it's going, okay, I didn't expect that at all. <laughs> um, so there's even like an eyes wide shut sex mansion what? that frankly, I wish they had gone into way more detail about. <laughs> it was a about. Mayor Pete fundraiser. <laughs> I, wanted to, I wanted to like, a, oh my God. Uh, so I wanted to really peek behind the curtain of that, yeah. but they just kind of show you like, the mansion and like what this like rich woman is like. Oh man, you're like see more. Like, I know. I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> like it's the what was it, mist or something? You click behind the door. It was mist. <laughs> We've had so many conversations about it's mist. Really sorry. Have. It's very. It's like the the old millennial. It's like, young. It's like our age range specifically. Yeah, it's like lost. Before, I don't know yeah. how to describe it. It's like there's a mystery here. I don't. I don't know what it sense. is. I don't know what it is. I don't know how to play the game. And I only realized about ten years ago that I had the demo version, so I was never gonna. I couldn't physically before. do certain things. I was like, you can't get off the island. You're like, no, honey, that was. <laughs> The demo. <laughs> that was just the demo, sweet. I really honestly, d- it didn't oh, dawn on me that, like, boy. oh, there's things you can't do because you just hit the demo. Don't worry about it. Uh, no wonder it seems so hard. I was definitely turning around a lot and yeah. just sort of, like, going, going off the dock? pier. Yeah, the pier. I don't know, something like that. <laughs> Sorry. Um, okay. Uh, magical Girl. Yeah. <laughs> so, since it's Spanish, I can't help but draw very broad comparisons to Amodovar. You got weird women, desperate men, hidden backstories. Yeah. I mean, I know that's... I'm really, uh, I don't know, probably 
overhyping it by saying that to you. But anyways, I'm just saying it has elements that are don't, similar. Don't you know. tell it to a true fan. Yeah, I know exactly. I'm not trying to. <laughs> I can yeah. see your face back. Like, no, no. Oh, yeah, backpedal. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it differs from Canda Cantara um, enough that I know that you saw it and you're like, oh, I wasn't a fan. Yeah. I could finish it. So I think it differs enough, and okay. it's a little more based in like reality. Okay. That it'll it'll go down a lot smoother. Okay. So I th- I really think you'd like it. Okay. Um, and I actually. I think I found this on Fandor, which is just somehow it's like this like decomposing skeleton. I just picture the gate still like still like, like, still, like walking around. It's <laughs> a creaking gate, yeah. Um, and I think you can. I think the other place I saw it was maybe on like iTunes, you know, oh, okay. for like four or five bucks. So it's around. Gotcha. Uh, well, my next pick is one that I really anxiously awaited being able to see because it was only in theaters for a week in Portland and I couldn't make it to see it because I think its distributor got bought by some bigger company and they just kind of squashed it. Like it actually got treated really horribly as a film, which is too bad because it's a very uh, inventive movie. So it's Fast Color from yeah. 2019. Okay. So it's directed by Julia Hart, who directed Miss Stevens, which is this 2016 movie about this teacher going on a road trip with these students who are played by uh, Timothee Chalamet and Lily Reinhardt, really? <laughs> which I did not remember okay. until I, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it stars Gugu Mbatha-Ra, Lorraine Toussaint, and your fave, David Strathern. He's Ooh, in the mix. He's a little zaddy. I mean, no one, no one's saying that. Just me. He's just, just a little too. salt and pepper hunk. Yeah. Don't worry about yeah. it. The responsible dad sort yeah. of look. Uh, um, so Mbata Rob is a woman who is on the run because of her supernatural powers. And it becomes pretty clear early on who's chasing her. So I won't spoil that. So Toussaint is her mother and the grandmother to Umbatara's child, um, who she basically had to abandon with her mother for safety reasons. Mm-hmm. Now this child is also being trained in the ways of these superpowers by her grandmother. So Umbatara has to... I don't remember their character's name, so... Yeah, no. Umbatara has to return to her mom's house basically out of desperation. She's run out of places to run. And that return and sort of where the events go from there is the centerpiece of the movie. So it's sort of set against the dangers of the outside world uh, and this intergenerational trauma that these women have experienced. Um, it's kind of this intergenerational, supernatural family drama slash <laughs> near future apocalypse movie. Mm-hmm. So I can't say I've thought of, seen a lot of films in this category. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just so refreshing to see a supernatural or superhero type movie, not superhero, superpower type yeah. movie mm-hmm. that's not based in a franchise and centers a new kind of superpower and superhuman. Mm-hmm. And it kind of reads like an origin story. So I'm interested to see what the show turns into because I read that it's what? actually being developed by, I believe, Viola Davis's production company Ooh. for like a limited series. It does sound like it would be a great series. Yeah. 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 So um, it is PG-13, so not for little kids, but I actually think it'd be great for older kids or preteens because yeah. again, it's, it's like, like a oh, YA kind of like, yeah, yeah, it's like women of color in this family who have the superpower that is um, life changing and life giving mm-hmm. in a world that's very bleak. Yeah. Uh, so it's like everywhere now. I rented it, but it's on Hulu and I think Canopy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited to see where it goes next. And I'm glad that the story will maybe be amplified because, like I said, it, it got a really 
it got a bad deal. Yeah, I remember being at like Laurelhurst or something yeah. and seeing an ad for that, and I was like, oh shit, I'm gonna see that. Yeah. And then I was like, oh wait, did that? Because sometimes it come you, know, you see an ad and you're like, oh maybe that's coming out like in a year, yeah. or maybe I misunderstood and it's a series on. You know, yeah. like Amazon or Stars or something. Exactly. Like, oh, Whatever, you know. What happened? Wait. Yeah. Well, I remember so. sending the trailer to my friend David, and he was super excited about it. And then he was like, wait, when is that coming out? And we were like, oh, it came and went. Came and, and went. But yeah. now, David, you can see it. Okay. Yeah. I'm definitely going to check that out. Yeah. And excited about it, you know, being a series maybe. Yeah. So um, my next one, I feel like we got to flow here because this yeah. one has kind of got a, a supernatural mm-hmm. in the way of mermaids vibe to it. Um, so it's The Lure from 2015, directed by Agnieszka Smokzinska. And a while back, we mentioned and butchered the name of that director. And so uh, I think hopefully this time I butchered it a little less, maybe. I don't know. Trying. Um, so uh, we talked about her movie Fugue in our radar section a while back, uh, which I still haven't seen, but I'd like to. Um, and I saw the lore on Criterion, and it is pretty wild Ooh. stuff uh, in a fun way. So we got two mermaid sisters uh, who become successful uh, singers in a lounge act. And which works because, you know, siren song, the whole thing with mermaids. And they fall in love with the same boy. Oh. Uh oh. And uh, um, so, um, on a personal note, I'm constantly complaining about, at least to myself or whoever will listen, about how the wardrobe or costume department or whatever in modern films in no way reflects what I think is actually happening in fashion, like on any kind of dynamic level. No. They look like like they're dressing for Hallmark movies. Yeah. And I'm like, boot cut jeans are you fucking kidding me like i will still see that and i'm like it's gone so far that i'm like i feel like boot cut jeans are actually gonna come back in yeah, style totally that's how behind the time it drives me crazy sorry <gasps> anyway and no one like dresses like fun like i don't know it doesn't matter anyways it just really bugs me yeah so thank god the costumes in our direction in this film are top notch super fun and colorful so this is a musical, Meg. So, <gasps> but it plays like an extended episode of Toast of London. Ooh, so the songs are charming and hilarious. And some of it, I'm not sure if it's like the translation from Polish, but either way, it's it's yeah. great. And of course, I love when they turn from like these beautiful sirens into sort of these like fish goblin monsters and like eat Ooh, men and terrorize yeah. them and like have their teeth yeah. and they you know chomp on them. So that's fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's available on Criterion and most streaming platforms for a small you know, like four small, bucks or something a nominal fee. Yes, so um, definitely worth a watch if you want to watch a mermaid musical. I don't know if that sounds very weird, but it's it's honestly like yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah, I think, was it, did we mention it, like you briefly mentioned it on a previous episode and then my friend Yarrow I think we got like, some, said uh, some DM I think she about like, it. Yeah, yeah I like, think she, that she mentioned was like, mm-hmm. actually it's not, it's not as, like the premise sounds not Pretty, great. When you say yeah. Toast of London, I feel like she mentioned like, oh, so thank yeah. you for the Yes, definitely. Hot we're staying with kind of a supernatural element mm-hmm. here because my next one, okay, this is the only one, and I was talking about this with Joel at dinner right before this. He was like, I ran down my list, and he was like, okay, that's the only movie that I would have some reservation. Like, I would, every movie on the list, I would recommend without reservation, except this yeah. one, yeah. <laughs> which is just a particular sense of humor. Um, it's Infinity Baby from 2017 by Bob mm-hmm. Byington. I kind of feel like with Bob Byington movies, and yes. you directed this one, you either really enjoy them and yuck yep. it up the whole time, or they are not for you. Yeah. So for me, I really find myself cracking up 
in the type of humor that's in this movie. So I'm recommending Infinity Baby as a buying to booster, but (laughs) I recognize it might not be funny to everybody. So if like, you know, you watch the first 10 minutes, you're like, not for me. Just go ahead. Turn that, turn that off, you know, save yourself some time. Life is short. Yeah. I think maybe his 2010 movie Harmony and Me would be a better and more accessible version of his humor, but maybe it's just not your bag, and I mm-hmm. recognize yeah, that. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> uh, so, Infinity Baby is a sci-fi comedy that centers on people who work for this company in the near future that places these babies that are the results of a genetic mishap as a byproduct of stem cell research. Mm-hmm. So, like the title implies, the babies do not age, but they don't turn into they don't turn into an adult baby. Oh, they just stay no. they just stay oh, a baby a forever. I know. <laughs> um, they're just babies forever. So, I actually think this movie might drive you in particular nuts oh, because like, it was just screaming babies. Yeah, it's like babies, and then it's not like a logical why these babies? What's going on? What's going to happen? Where are they going? Like, I can just picture you being like, what? Is it just stressed out moms? No. It's Breastfeeding forever? So much. No, because they're all adopt. They have to be placed with, like, adoptive families. They they don't have moms. Oh, they don't have a they're wet just, nurse? No, they don't. Um, so it's, it's interesting because it's more like this absurdist premise that drives the rest of the plot of these bumbling losers that work for the company doing terrible things mm-hmm. uh so let me just tell you some of the people in the film nick offerman and megan mullally okay, steven root kieran oh. culkin plays this really Ooh. like piece of shit serial monogamist he can only um, play a piece of shit he really like can his... and he's like so yeah good at i like it, it. yeah <laughs> yeah um kevin corrigan it's like a personal fave of mine yeah. <laughs> and martin Starr play have an interesting have an interesting relationship mm-hmm. uh so they're all these alternately bad and very human people and you just get to spend time with them in this kind of pedestrian but ridiculous setting so mm-hmm. i enjoyed it greatly it's around it's on amazon prime Ooh. like i said give it give it 10 and if you don't <laughs> find yourself 10. laughing you can just boop. give it a tight 10 and <laughs> yeah. uh, no that sounds really fun Turn to around. me it's yeah. fun it's fun to me but it's just it's a particular kind of humor i love a certain weird like here's a weird premise so i'm like okay yeah I don't know why you're saying like babies forever made me think of um <laughs> of all things beloved because that Toni Morrison book, yeah um because it's like a I mean I'm not getting into it because it's real heavy but yeah. like basically if a baby dies then does it become like a baby ghost right and I was like that is like I never thought like as, as I was reading I was like I never thought about that that's the oh, creepiest no. thing I've ever heard you know <laughs> anyways sorry made me think of that I was like yeah like something about being a baby forever yeah. a ba- ghost baby and it gets it's <laughs> It gets, it's weird. Okay, anyway. I'm going to check that out. Yeah, that it's kind of fun. fun to me. It's a little brain break. Yeah. yeah. There's maybe not a good segue into the next one, <laughs> but also, uh, you know, kind of a creepy, weird thing. Uh, I keep saying creepy as I'm describing this. The movie's called Creepy. Uh, I can't get around that. It's, it's a perfect uh, description for it. So it's 2016, um, Kiyoshi Kurosawa. So it's a Japanese film, and it will never not be weird to me that his name is Kurosawa, because just as a film fan, obviously, if you're talking about Kurosawa, people are going to assume you're talking about Akira, yeah. and you're like, no, Kiyoshi, and so you always have to, I don't yeah. know, I just wonder if that's weird that, I don't know, anyways. Um, so, which then, that last name could be very common, I just, yeah. anyway. So I am obsessed with at least the few um Kiyoshi Kurosawa movies that I've seen so far, like Cure and Pulse, um, which I will definitely try to shoehorn in at some some later episode because (laughs) I think they're so amazing. And um, so I had really high hopes for this movie, and I was not disappointed. 
So it's hard to pin down his brand of horror in a nutshell. Even So I love horror, but I usually don't find most horror movies actually scary yes. to me. They're just like, oh, what a fun ride I'm on, you know? But he manages to explore ideas that are genuinely terrifying to yeah. me. And so... Um, so just as, as another side note, after I saw this film, I realized that this is pretty much what I wanted or expected um, Bong Joon-ho's movie Parasite to yes. be. Yes, oh my right? god, I just had this conversation yeah. with my friend Paul Isn't that crazy? about okay. these two movies, yeah, yeah. so we're all on the same wavelength. Okay, well then anyway, I'll get your thoughts continue. on that, because, yeah. so it's, it, I mean, it's it's very simple, pretty much, uh, and I, all the, I feel like every plot synopsis so far, I'm like, well, I don't want to give it away, because everything yeah. somehow is like a mystery. So. I know. <laughs> anyway, so just in a nutshell... Um, former homicide detective is researching a cold case of a family that completely disappeared except for one daughter. And so he's, like, questioning her a lot. And um, not in a person of interest, just trying to figure out what happened. And he begins to, at the same time, suspect his very creepy, odd... Sorry, I keep saying creepy. It was his very odd neighbor, <laughs> um, like, might be a murderer or just, like, something's up with him and the way he's interacting with... The, the detective's like, you're interacting with my wife. We're, she's changing or whatever. And it's... It sounds so simple, but it's just so unsettling, and it just... Anyway, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's all about, like, brushing up against sort of, like, what is, like, the acceptable borders of social interaction. It's kind of like that movie you talked about of last season, The Plumber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's, like, how far can you push these social bounds? Yeah. And, oh, just, I think... And I think you and I have talked about this before. Like, the scariest movies are definitely the ones where it's just, like, human beings manipulating and oppressing Ugh, each other. Yeah. That's way scarier than, like, uh-oh, it's a baby ghost or Yeah, yeah, ghost it's a blob monster. It's, like, yeah. Okay. But I think just the... the Being uncomfortable is enough for me. Being uncomfortable, yeah. yeah. And just, like, oh, it's, like, the scariest nightmare. Especially if yeah. somebody's always, like, oh, are my neighbors all freaks? I don't know. Yeah. I live in a city, like, uh. Yeah. It's... Yeah, so I had this um, a similar reaction. And actually, I think I was just telling our friend Hannah last night after Pop Pilates that <laughs> I was, Parasite is was disappointing because I saw it so close to watching Creepy mm-hmm. and yeah. my friend's suggestion. And then I was like, oh, like I... Creepy did it better. It did it better. I mean, like, it's like... Yeah, as I was watching, I hadn't seen Creepy yet, but as I watched Parasite, and it was it was a fine film. I'm yeah. just saying, like, I think I definitely expected it to go to the dark, yes. really dark places that Creepy yeah. went to. And it didn't. And I was like, oh, okay. And then, yeah, and then I saw Creepy. I was like, this is exactly like, yeah. you know, like, I do that thing. It's not the movie's fault, any movie's fault. But when I watched the trailer, I'm like, I already build what yeah. I think's going to happen. Just kind of like, oh, it's going to be like this. It's going to blow my mind. Yeah. And it didn't, like, Parasite didn't do that, but Creepy did. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I was like, oh, shit, they went there. Oh, my anyway. God. Yeah, there's some, okay. like, truly, anyway. Anyway, terrorizing. yeah. So I could keep going on. I'm like, it's really scary. Um, it is true. And creepy. I think it was available in Canopy, and it looks like it's also available on Prime and iTunes. Yeah. Um, hmm. Different, different sentiments in my <laughs> my next film. Although this is the one where I was like, hmm, if you hated Melancholia, this might not be the movie for you. <laughs> not setting wise, but uh, it is 2018's Aniara. It was directed by Pella Kagerman and Hugo Lilja. So it's Swedish, like a Swedish Danish movie. So apologies for not pronouncing these perfectly. It was. <laughs> 
It's a film adaptation of a long science fiction poem by Swedish poet Harry Martinson, who won uh, the Nobel Prize for literature, I guess, at some hmm. point, or poetry. Yeah. Uh, so like Fast Color and Infinity Baby, it's set in the future, but it's definitely the most dystopian future of the three in which climate change and human-caused environmental collapse have made the Earth unlivable, so people with the resources to do so are fleeing to colonies on Mars. Mm. So Aniara is the name of this luxury liner that's taking people to Mars, and it's modeled on a cruise ship with, like, shops and gambling, entertainment, Mm. just like that arcade kind of vibe, like a big mall. So on the ship, we meet the protagonist, uh, who we only know as the Mima Robe. Uh, so she's a host for this AI virtual reality entity, the Mima, that uses individual personal memories of the natural earth to create this immersive experience of being back in nature, mm-hmm. back home. So at the start of the journey, like nobody gives a shit about using this thing, and they all just want to like go to the arcades and drink and just be like disgusting humans. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the journey is supposed to take about three weeks, like a cruise. But then this catastrophe causes them to be driven off course with no fuel reserves. So basically, they're just drifting further and further into space with no hope of return. And the movie checks in with them, you know, a few weeks, months, a year, three years, six years, so on, Mm -hmm. um, into this journey. Yeah. So I've seen a few reviews comparing it to a much more engaging high life. I don't know. Yeah, I could, I'm seeing yeah. Shades of High Life and, sorry, Snowpiercer in space. That's what I was, oh, sorry. No. That's what I was like, just because as far as, like, rich people. But no, but, sorry, sorry. It, but, like, you know, with a defter hand, I would mm-hmm. say. Yeah. Um, I can only speak for myself in that I found it very comfortingly despairing. <laughs> it's like a like a cozy blanket of quiet dread. <laughs> so it's the same satisfying sensation deep in my brain as to how I felt when I first saw Melancholia. Sorry. Hmm. Sorry about it. But no, that's I mean, hey, felt. it takes all kinds. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if that's a good barometer of whether this is a movie for you or anybody listening, but take from that what you will. Uh, when we first watched it, Joel and I had totally opposite reactions, and he just found it, like, unspeakably bleak. But then as days passed, it he did come around to liking it mm-hmm. and liked what it was doing. Yeah. So, you know, I can say that – can I just say for one moment that <laughs> I have a real problem with a lot of, like – you know, because I, I also kind of looked at what some top 10 lists, like, oh, I'm trying to remind myself, what was the Village Voice's top 10 of whatever yeah. year? I have a real bone to pick with what you, like, contemporary social realism. Like, you know what you talk about, the kitchen sink kind of dramas. Yeah, I can't take it. I think I told you <laughs> I watched and utterly fucking despised It Felt Like Love, which was on a few top 10 lists. Uh-huh. Um, anything where it's like, just shitty digital video and a lot of quiet looks and like meaninglessness of life. I for can't. A totally pedestrian thing. Like there's nothing larger. There's no kind of, there's just nothing. It's just yeah. stupid and shitty and pointless <laughs> in service to this very particular vision of verisimilitude. You know, like it's, mm-hmm. I would just much rather have the emotional realism of an ambitious but flawed movie like this. Yeah. Um, so I love a film that centers queer characters, but doesn't make the queerness the main theme of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then I love that it's a sci-fi based on a poem. Yeah. And I just want to see more adaptations like that. And I mm-hmm. just, I mean, like I said, I really felt like having a film that follows just like humans sitting with the consequences of what they've done is just, mm-hmm. I loved it. So uh, it's on Hulu. 
Yeah, it's so funny because as you were describing it, I was like, because I hadn't heard of the, I mean, I was like, I haven't heard that title. But as you were describing it, I was like, that sounds really familiar. So I think I either, I saw a trailer for it yeah. a long time ago and forgot or something. And I was like, oh, that sounds really interesting. So thank you for, yeah. like, I don't know, reminding me for this movie yeah. I barely remembered. But I was like, <laughs> but I was like, that sounds right up my alley. Yeah. Um, it sounds really fun. So um, sticking with Scandinavians Ooh. and sci-fi. <laughs> I don't know why we're like, this has to have a, a flow. Yeah. <laughs> um, Thelma, it's probably like Telma, but Thelma, um, from 2017, directed by Joachim Trier. It's Norwegian, I believe. Oh, yeah. And it's um, tricky to properly name sci-fi subgenres, like all the ones we've been talking about, because calling it emotional sci-fi just sounds like sci-fi for girls. You yeah, know? but you know, but I that's think... just like the best way to say it. it's not necessarily machines. It's not like robots or aliens. It's more of like metaphysical yeah. shit happening or i don't know yeah so. yeah i know what you mean it's <laughs> mm-hmm. it doesn't you know let's push the bound let's push the boundaries and of emotions definitions. aren't bad exactly uh, you know and especially it does play into like it's t- i mean you'll we see where emotions play into this yeah we don't but. need tom cruise in the mix yeah you know <laughs> and uh, you can say speculative fiction or speculative. whatever there you go yeah there you go so um a sheltered christian teenage girl named thelma goes off to college and eventually finds that there's a metaphysical connection between the natural world and her seizure disorder, which manifests itself every time she feels desire for um, her new girlfriend, um, Anya. And, of course, you know, being a Christian, she's like, well, I can't, I'm feeling something here. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Literally physically, like, seizure and, thing, you know, birds are flying at windows and shit. Yeah. Um, so we eventually learn more about why Thelma's parents are so overbearing and because they keep calling her at college, like, hey, text me, call me, oh, you know, they're yeah. visiting, they're, you know, you need to come home, all this kind of stuff. Real helicopter Ugh, parents. Which is enough of a yeah. show for me. But anyway, <laughs> um, and once Thelma figures out the connection between her desires and her abilities, she finally uh, is able to make some staggering life decisions. And so, uh, so good. Anyway, this, um, this movie is lush and sexy yeah. and dark. And it's one of the few films that understands how gorgeous CGI can actually be mm. if it's used correctly. Um, so CGI doesn't have to be, again, like a Tom Cruise, like a cold, you know, whatever yeah. action films, you know, fight sequence. It can be used to actualize these nebulous, metaphysical, I've said that 50 times. Anyways, these ideas and emotions um, or these like dream sequences or hallucinations or whatever. Like cats. So, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> $300 million budget? Is it? Sorry, I can't get over it. I'm sorry that's like played out. I just can't get over that movie. I will be consuming many edibles and going to see it <laughs> in cine. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm more of a curiosity. Anyway, that's a, just a fun. I know. Sorry, anyway. it's obvious, but I'm, yeah, I, was like, I think I might have to, <laughs> to like face my nightmare. Okay, it's fine. Boobs. It's Cats exposure boobs. therapy. Oh, yeah. The proportions. I That's love my it. main thing. I can't wait. Okay. I can't wait. I'm going to be so high and I'm just going <laughs> to... Just take it in. Take it in. <laughs> we'll do a full episode of it. Yeah. No. Um, okay. So, <laughs> Thelma. Um, it's available for free on Hulu and many other streaming platforms for a small fee. I don't know. I be like, for three or four dollars, yeah. it's it's available. Yeah. I you just want to say streaming and mean like uh, right, Netflix or something. I was like, basically, right. you pay a little bit, and, you know, yeah. but it's also on... Hulu for free. You know, this is just like you with the last movie. You're reminding me. I really wanted to see that. And yeah. I didn't get to see it. So you reminded it. me it's, that. 
Okay, really I can't wait. I love it. Oh, yeah. we're just like there's mystery see. stuff to it. There's you know it's like backstory and uh, see this really is good. why we do this podcast so we can just I know each other. Each other. <laughs> I know each other all about it. things. Yeah, yeah, it's I'm like oh I can't tell you how many things that we watched. I'm like oh Lars recommended this. I know I do the same thing. Anyway, I have like an ongoing list I need to add to. This just like makes picks. Yeah, weird ass movie club. Yeah, weird Z's. Okay, so my next movie is. A Volcano from 2019, Vulcan uh, in Ukrainian, directed by Ukrainian director Roman Bandachuk. Uh, so Bandachuk previously made the documentary film Ukrainian Sheriffs, which honestly seems like a much must watch. Like I read the premise and I thought that it was this absurdist comedy. And then I was like, oh, it's a documentary about real people. <laughs> so this is his feature debut. Uh, volcano is and it follows Luca who's this Kiev based translator for I had to look up what OSCE is it's the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe probably if you live in Europe you are more familiar with it Mm. it's an intergovernmental organization Mm -hmm. so they monitor elections and Mm. are in charge of security and things like that so he is guiding these three companions from the organization through the Ukrainian countryside on the way to Crimea and then he Basically, the car breaks down, and he goes for help, and he loses all three of them and the car. So he gets stranded in this strange borderlands in this village that seemingly exists parallel to, but rubbing against what we might conceive of as reality. Again, it's not not necessarily a supernatural movie. It's more that the circumstances of this film are so unfamiliar to the way that anyone who's able to view this movie Mm -hmm. lives their lives that it's, like, surreal. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, he's in this strange village and he's put up at the home of the eccentric local villager Volva, who tries to help him understand that now that he's passed into this land of like total anarchy and rust, that it's not so easy to get back into the straight world. It's so interesting. This movie is really adept at showing its protagonist being sort of systematically stripped of everything he has built his identity to be while really showing it with kind of this humor. I mean, it's anxiety inducing. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Yeah. It's like, oh, you lose, lost your car. You lost your Ugh. passport. You lose your it's a nightmare movie wallet. For me. Yeah, you lose your phone. <laughs> yeah. But then, I don't know. It's just this loving depiction of how many people find themselves living outside of what we understand to be society, the world. And mm-hmm. kind of like, there's just a point where he's kind of like, what the fuck am I going to do? And Mm -hmm. Volva's like, what do you think the people here do? They don't have IDs. And maybe, you know, they go and live in their lives. They get married. They have kids. Maybe the kid gets an ID. Like, no one's going to come looking for you here. It's just, it reminds me quite a bit of uh, Gorod Zero or Zero Grad, which is like a personal favorite late Soviet movie, which I'll probably talk about at some point. So no spoilers. But it's basically like, an engineer visits a small factory town on a business trip and has a similar series of misadventures where he like mm-hmm. can't get out. Um, so there's kind of that same sense of existing parallel to, but not totally apart from the world. There's always some Tarkovsky feelings in mm-hmm. there and then some kind of like magical realist literary feelings. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually did base the film and some characters on his own family experiences. So his grandparents are from the area and his wife's families also. So he did a lot of documentary study. And I think this may have actually started as a documentary because that Mm -hmm. was his background. He clearly has this like love of the people and this particular area. 
Um, and he has kind of a personal understanding of people's lives there. A lot of the cast is actually made up of local people who are non-actors, and they kind of yeah. bring their dialect and their oh, own experiences to the movie. So uh, sound design and score, incredible. Cinematography, <laughs> impeccable and super mm. haunting. And the locations are unreal. It's on movie right now and, oh. like, through the first week of January. And mm-hmm. then it's also – I've seen it a couple places around. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love – it's, like, probably my second favorite movie on this. Ooh. I won't talk too much about favorites, yeah. but <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's one of the top picks. Oh, okay, yeah. I'll definitely check that out. It's funny. It's funny. I'm making it sound bleak, but it's... it's I was going to say, I'm not, I don't know why. I mean, I, I haven't seen it, but it gives me a vibe is like a Aki Kurzmaki. You're kind of just like, well, I'm, in, yeah. I'm here now. And I'm just, yeah. I mean, I don't know the humor of it, but it just like made me think of that. Like, well, guess I'm in this place now. Like, <laughs> I'm out of luck and whatever. And you kind yeah. of just go on with your life. Yeah. You know, anyway. I love that. Yeah. Well, my next pick is also kind of dreamy. The The Wild Boys, 2017, by Bertrand Medinko. Um, it's a French film, and it was mentioned by our guest and friend, friend of the show, Hannah Piper Burns, uh, in our 2018 mm. wrap-up episode, this time last year. And so uh, the premise is, after said wild boys are <laughs> found responsible for huh, a uh, rape and murder of their acting teacher, their parents send them off with a sea captain as punishment and rehabilitation uh <laughs> yeah um sorry there's shades of what was it the lighthouse <laughs> i was like see captain anyway um the captain is meant to whip them into shape or into docile young men i guess they sail to a mysterious island paradise where with a lot of like plants and things that are like very phallic or very mm. like lactating kind of just there's a lot of like weird body stuff there so this island paradise where oh, the bodies of the boys uh are like transformed or they start to like you know they start to change and their but their violent tendencies aren't really curbed um and yeah so it's a lot of like lord of the flies kind of Mm -hmm. shit going on you know a lot of infighting um then they find out they're not alone on the island and they meet the person who has been hiring the captain to bring young boys to the island all these years Mm. that sounds really pedo-y but it's not in that (laughs) way (laughs) um so this gang of wild boys is played by an all woman cast which immensely increases my appreciation of the film because if i saw a bunch of rich boy rapists portrayed by male actors i would find the events of the movie markedly less tolerable (laughs) um so it's shot mostly in in black and white with occasional shots of lush kind of a technicolor like super saturated color and i can't uh escape making comparisons to guy madden is very like lush old timey okay. looking you know uh, lots of superimposed images really dreamy refreshing that the director doesn't appear to give a, a damn about like restraint or like reality it's like you can tell that they're just like having a lot of fun yeah. with like the visuals and like the i don't know they're just like drinking like booze on the beach and dancing around they have like, these beautiful like crystal uh, what they're called decanters or whatever they're drinking out. I'm like, don't worry about how these made the trip. Yeah, Let's just, be, you know, they're all like in the sand and they're all just just, just drinking and it. dancing. And I'm like, I'm into it. And just a random little side note is that uh, a key character in the film is played by you know the woman in Seinfeld who's the Romanian gymnast that he thinks he's gonna like have this amazing like limber yeah. sex with or whatever. It's that oh, <laughs> that actress. Okay. She's I guess like a French actress. Uh, anyway, that was just something I was like, she looks familiar, and I mean, she's been in other movies, right? But that's like, what you knew her from. The, 
the gymnast that's supposed to be so good at sex anyway um so dumb anyway it's available free on canopy and it's also available on amazon prime okay well you know uh when i was talking about volcano you mentioned aki karazmaki and i have one of his movies on here his second to last movie before retirement ostensibly so lahav uh 2011 it is, I think you'd probably agree, by far his happiest and most optimistic uh, movie, and it is such a gift. <laughs> so, I mean, make no mistake, there's still the same kind of deadpan humor and class consciousness, but it's used in service to this kind of um, fresh and sincere and humane kind of socialist realism uh, that shows people as good as we wish and believe they could be in a world that is so often so crushingly terrible. So that mm-hmm. world is still present in the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the optimism there is something new uh, for Karazmaki. Yeah. So it features some familiar faces from his previous films, uh, namely Andre Wilms and Kadi Utenen. Uh, it's like this, it's a contemporary setting, but it feels alternately like the 60s, the 70s, his own 80s movies. Yeah. Uh, so the plot follows Marcel Marx. I mean, his last name is Marx, uh, <laughs> who is a former bohemian and shoe shiner, and the inhabitants, his neighbors, basically, of the working class quarter of Le Havre, the Normandy port town in France. And they are trying to help Idrissa, who is a child refugee from Gabon, stuck trying to immigrate alone without papers to join his mom in London. So obviously it's in dialogue with uh, migration and that issue in Europe, but it's through, I think, a very distinct lens. Um, It's very in dialogue with the films of a lot of his European predecessors and peers. It's gorgeously shot and framed, and I think there's just this real pleasure taken in cinema for cinema's sake. Um, You know, he really films regular people so beautifully, and I think um, he's the kind of leftist artist who really, truly loves working people and poor people with all of their flaws, and that's what really drives his art, and I actually think that's much rarer than you might think Mm -hmm. uh, with a lot of artists. And, yeah, I just hope someday I can come to love the people the way that Aki (laughs) Karazmaki does, but I think I could just watch films like this all day. I definitely read some reviews of it that... I just think they're missing the point. Mm-hmm. These people have all, Lars, they've been brainwashed by the social realism digital video bullshit of the 2010s. <laughs> We've and they said it once. I just, I think they've been brainwashed and they are not seeing the ability of film to show the way, the world the way that it could, could be. be. Yes. Um, yeah. So I think this movie is just such a gift from him. And I think a lot of people aren't used to. That sort of poker-faced, I don't know if optimism is where, but like you don't yeah. have to have these high highs and these melodramatic right. beats and whatever, and like this drama, this like whipped-up drama. Like it could just be like, like one of the characters are. I mean, I think I remember. I won't go into it because, anyways. But basically, a character is like sick. We think or is right. sick the whole movie, and they kind of just like come through the door and it's like I'm cured. Yeah, and like 
Because that happens sometimes. I don't know. I just kind of like, like, don't worry. That's not a dramatic thing. Life yeah. goes on and I got better. Yeah. And like, not, you know, not to say it always ends up that way. But I just kind of like that it's not a big sad weeping right. or at the hospital thing. Kind of like just comes in the door and yeah. is like, hey, I'm, I'm cured. Don't worry. I'm in remission or whatever. You know, yeah, I don't there's know. good things and bad things in the yeah. life of And it doesn't have to and... be, it can just be the straightforward telegraphing yes. of information. I don't know. I just kind of found it like, how like quaint i don't know anyway yeah so i think a lot of people see that as well they don't know how to write a scene or yeah. something and you're like shut, shut up. up yeah <laughs> stop talking <laughs> so i guess this is also sort of a charming uh, movie mm. kind of a segue there um so you were helping me a little with the russian pronunciation <laughs> so i was like leto maybe but it's maybe like uh Lieta? maybe yeah, yeah okay sure <laughs> so from uh 2018 Directed by Kirill Serebrinikov. So, Meg, have you ever watched an entire movie without realizing it was a biopic? Because <laughs> now I have uh, this movie. So, uh, and just so you know, like, Leta is um, Russian for summer. Just anyways, but... Okay, so it was on Cahiers de Cinema's 2018 list, along with Wild Boys, um, which I forgot to mention earlier. But... So, okay, first off, it is a musical, sorry again, and a musical biopic, and Meg double whammy, <laughs> but keep listening, uh, stay with me. So, okay, well, I'll get to the biopic bit of it, but the film is shot in gorgeous black and white, takes place, like, it's set in the early 80s Russian underground music scene, and it features two real-life Russian bands, uh, which I found out later, uh, <laughs> Zoo Park and Kino. Most of the film revolves around... The, at the time, popular band Zoo Park taking the new band Kino under their wing, sort of a protege situation, and the love triangle that ensues between the two lead singers of those bands. The film was based on the memoirs of the woman that was, you know, in the love triangle that was like the wife or girlfriend of the lead singer of Zoo Park. <laughs> Sorry, it's <laughs> kind of confusing. And she's. I need my corkboard. Yeah, I need. I need. Yeah, exactly. Corkboard and red string. Um, it's really not the cocaine. It's like three people. Anyway, <laughs> it's just hard when you. They're not famous people. Right. To us, yeah. So I can't, right. Yeah, anyway, and so the movie obviously heavily features uh, her as well, and um, but this uh, again, kind of like Chris Mackey sort of yeah. fashion, the triangle doesn't cause much dramatic tension. Um, the movie ends up mostly being about the two guys getting along, um, and then they're just constantly talking about their shared love of, like, T-Rex and David Bowie and such. And um, they both play at this venue called the Leningrad Rock Club, which is a real state-run venue overseen by the KGB. <laughs> I looked up just a second. I was like, wait a minute, is this real? And wait a it second. Was. And we're the, okay, so the fans, uh, I'm assuming everything, it sounds like it would be a real thing, all the rules. Okay, where they, the okay. fans must sit politely in their seats during the show. It looks like a school auditorium sort of thing. And they can't display too much rowdiness or, like, hold up signs or definitely can't go to the front or stand up in their oh, seats. Yeah. Um, and as the bands play their song, not too much gyration, but they can kind of get into it, but not too much. Um, oh, yeah. And then the songs must be approved by the bureaucrats that run the venue. And so, like, like in one scene, they're, like, going through the lyrics and they're like, wait a minute, this song's called Slacker. And they're like, yeah, it's a... It's a comedic song about how, like, can you believe this guy doesn't want to work? Oh, and she's yeah. like, yeah. And then she's like, okay, so you're a comedy band. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and adorably, I can't remember a lot of the lyrics, but they're pretty adorable. Like, 
like for both bands, we'll like have songs that are like, I like drinking beers with my buddies and just like really like very like we're rock rock and rollers and yeah. we like to play music. It's the cutest thing ever. Um, I mean, it sounds really twee, but I swear like as they're like playing, I'm like, and you just, and again, maybe it's a translation thing, yeah. but I was like, this is so cute. <laughs> So even though men journeying on about their love of music in movies usually doesn't hold Ooh, much yeah, appeal to me, kind of a Cameron Crowe sort of situation, yeah. um, there is this beguiling anachronism thing happening because, because like right away I was like, wait, it's the early 80s? And so I'm guessing there was some sort of real life um, Iron Curtain delay uh, from like culture from the West into Russia because, or the USSR. Well, yeah, it's like the Glasnost perestroika. A lot of stuff didn't come in until, until like a decade later or yeah. something. Well, because of the policies of mm-hmm. Gorbachev. Okay. Like, the opening and, like, the thought oh, okay. allowed for more stuff to, like, suddenly okay. come in. Anyway. I figured you know about there's that. There's a because, green market before that, but, yeah. Okay. Because I'm wondering about how that affected, like, I mean, music and fashion and hairstyles. Because, again, early 80s, but they're, okay, it's, and they're constantly calling themselves punks, which is... Uh, okay, they're dressing like early 70s Lou Reed with like motorcycle jackets mm-hmm. and like flared jeans and aviators and sporting these severe shag haircuts, <laughs> um, uh, which kind of work in a weird way. Anyways, and they're, um, again, they're calling themselves punks, but they're playing the cutest acoustic pop that rocks about as hard as like Big Star <laughs> or like Blondie or something would be like the most extreme or yeah. whatever. So it's like I, power pop. <laughs> I am charmed by their interpretation of punk, which is like acoustic guitars and like yeah. cute lyrics and anyways. Um, and I did seek out, a, like started to listen to a little bit of Kino's music on Spotify. All the titles are in Russian. So I it was hard for me to be like, oh, I remember this song from the yeah. movie or anyway. But um, I'm definitely going to add it to my current rotation, kind of explore it, because it's very pleasant music. Yeah. It would be good for summer, for sure. Um, oh, and, yeah, yeah. Summer! Hey, I didn't even mean to. So it, this is available for free on Canopy and other platforms. Nice. Um, no transition. <laughs> so, <laughs> Going cold. My, my last movie, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Last one is called. I'm like, what? What, what Where day are is we? it? Where are we? <laughs> we're in too deep. We're, we're in a parallel universe. Uh, my last film is In Between from 2016, directed by the Palestinian director Masaloon Hamoud. So it follows three young Palestinian women who share an apartment in Tel Aviv. There's Layla, who's a chain-smoking lawyer, very liberated. Salma, who's a bartender who is not out as a lesbian to her conservative Christian Palestinian parents. And she puts up with their attempts to arrange a suitable match for her. Uh, And then there's Noor, who is the only girl who wears a veil. And she lives in the apartment while she navigates this increasingly abusive relationship with her controlling fiancé from her hometown. Uh, So the film really focuses in on these three young women navigating just the impossible positions that their intersecting identities put them in. So they obviously experience subtle and not very subtle racism as Palestinians in Israel. They also face gender depression and to the point of sexual violence uh, at the hands of Palestinian men and their families, or really one family in particular and one man in particular. Mm. Uh, I think that's kind of where the title comes from. They're just sort of in the midst of all this. Uh, It's just a really great portrayal of young women in a community who are so often portrayed as a monolith. Uh, They're not a monolith in terms of their religion, in terms of their 
um, observance of religion in terms of their sexuality. So, okay. The film is centered on Arab-Palestinian women, and it's directed by a Palestinian director, but it's technically technically classified as a French-Israeli production because it was funded by the Israel Film Fund. Hmm. So this led to a lot of questions about the nature of the film, especially if you try to follow the broad guidelines of BDS. But Mm -hmm. the fact is that Palestine is so resource-starved that there aren't actually many films funded from within Palestine each year, so it did make a festival circuit as a Palestinian film. I'm just going to quote the filmmaker herself. Hamoud, in a 2016 interview, said, quote, The state, meaning Israel, is giving me money because I deserve to make films from the money I fucking pay in taxes. I'm not ashamed, and I deserve even more. And still, I would have taken money elsewhere in order to lift the cloud of a boycott, but there is nowhere else to get money from. So I took the money from the state, and the film will be screened as an Israeli-French movie, despite the fact that it's Arab-Palestinian. So... I mean, just take with that. It's like, you know, it's definitely not for me to judge someone who is making... Films with again taxpayer funds that she yeah. paid into. Yeah, fair enough. As you know, I mean, an oppressed minority population inside this apartheid state. Mm-hmm. Like you know, that's that's just the reality that she finds herself in. And it's yeah. funny the reception to the movie kind of echoes the experiences of the protagonist in the film. It's like yeah. it was received poorly by leftist Palestinians because of the funding and leftist yeah. Europeans, etc. But then it was rejected by conservative Palestinians because they saw it as showing inappropriate behavior for women to the point of the director and actresses receiving death threats about it. Obviously, conservative Israelis are, like, not interested in Palestinian voices. And then Mm -hmm. liberal Israelis did like it. So it's just, it's just you know, you're in a tough position. Yeah. Um, So it's not a movie with a lot of easy resolutions or answers. And I think that comes with the territory. Mm -hmm. But um, I really appreciated it. Haven't I don't think I've seen a single Palestinian film made by a woman director, so yeah. um, it's available to rent on YouTube. It might be on Canopy, and maybe that's mm-hmm. where I saw it, but uh, yeah, yeah, recommend. Yeah, definitely. Well. It's time for the pitch of the decade. I was just going to say the last one of the year, the, the decade. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so this is a game we like to play just for fun that I now force other people in my life to play where I'm like, that sounds like a pitch. Hey. hey. <laughs> uh, we each bring two elements or some elements unknown to one another, and then we build a film on yeah. the spot. So... We, I thought I was leading the pitch this time because I am incapable of counting, and it's actually you. So we'll just we're just gonna see what happens. Throw we some got, stuff at a wall. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we both have two really big ideas, yeah. and we'll try to merge them. Um, all right. So usually I'll try to come up with the well, I'll find a crazy title along the yeah. way, and so it has nothing to do with anything, but it's just a working <laughs> title, and we're having fun. Um, so this is called Snack Bar Budapest. I don't know. I just like, I'm like, mm, Snack Bar mm. Budapest. I was like, sounds pretty good to me. Snacks and yum, 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 travel yum. and whatnot. <laughs> um, it's from 1988. It's Tinto Brass movie, so it's probably about sex, because that was his whole oh, deal yeah, was erotica. Sure. So <laughs> anyway, um, so my actor was, um, so his name is, uh, I'm assuming it's Tou or T-O-U. He's the Korean-German actor who played the lead singer Victor in the movie Leto I was just talking about. 
okay, he's hot, he can sing, play guitar, he knows a ton of languages. I fell in love with him, but here's the deal, Meg. He's got to have that deep shag haircut. It's a deal breaker. <laughs> I fell in love with him like that, and I saw okay. a picture of him without it, and I was like, um, you look like you're in a K-pop band, which is fine. Yeah. Um, But I was like, I gotta have that haircut. Yeah, I think it's fair. It's now it's baked in. Yeah. Um, yeah. He it. looks too innocent without that. So okay. I was like, I gotta have that bad boy Ooh, look. You know? Ooh, baby. <laughs> I swear, I'll show you a picture later. Yeah. It's cute. Anyway. Um, okay, so my idea i mean it's kind of like this nebulous idea have you seen the trailer for that um new sci-fi film little joe at all yes okay so so if um, people haven't seen the okay, trailer so it is a creepy looking film about a i mean this is what i think i remember i yeah. watched it uh, like a week ago a new genetically modified breed of flowers that are meant to act as maybe sort of a mood enhancer yeah. for humans but it looks like maybe it's actually substantially altering anyone who comes in contact yeah, with it's it like a spore situation and like yeah kind of maybe. making them maybe like do fucked up things or yeah. doing it you know anyway uh or some sort of parasite kind of situation so, um, so between my desire to see more movies like that and more movies like Thelma, so maybe like maybe some sort of like climate change horror sci-fi, you know, with that kind of emotional metaphysical aspect, hu- uh, humankind's hubris yeah. ruining shit, and then trying to fix it, and then that fucks it up even worse. Ooh. So that's just kind of if that makes any sense. Yeah, it's okay. a lot of just it's words. Like, <laughs> word anyway, cloud. yeah. Okay, so. I thought maybe uh-huh. your actor okay. also speaks French, perhaps. Is that I'm maybe? not sure if that's one of them, but he's smart. He'll hey, probably he can learn polyglot. it. You know? He can learn it, baby. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> okay. Because, mm-hmm. so, I already texted you about this earlier, but they don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> Idiots. <laughs> I don't know what you're about to say. I don't can't remember. No. Uh, so, I have never been a Timothee Chalamet oh, believer yeah. before. <laughs> But let me just say that I saw this video thing with him and the French actor oh, yeah. Louis Garel in French, and I kind of finally got the appeal of the Chalamet <laughs> charm. Yeah. yeah. Because I was like, oh, you're like fully bilingual because your dad's French. Like you're like yeah. you, he even it's... speaks with like the intonation aspect mm, of a French person. Yeah. So I saw him actually speaking French. I'm like, okay, Ooh. hey now. Yes. You're a little snack. <laughs> yeah. A little snack more yeah, which, I mean, anyway. like, it's so gross. He's, like, 12 years old. No, he's 23 years <laughs> old. Or 24, early okay. 20s. <laughs> Just a real cougar situation here. Yeah. But, so, similarly, he's got that boyish, shaggy thing. Ooh. And my thing was that it needs to be a Chalamet. He needs to be speaking French. Mm-hmm. I... So in the interview, he says he wants to work with Marie Diop, who's the director of Atlantic's. Okay. Um, which is the French Senegalese movie. Oh my God! It's you know what? It deserves the hype. It got the Grand Prix at Cannes. Okay. It's on Netflix. Watch it. It's like this know. supernatural romance drama mm-hmm. about like the effects of migration and separation, and it's so gorgeously oh. shot. I so it needs to it. be. Okay. Oh, okay. See, I didn't pick it as my thing because I was like, oh, oh every this is the thing. one that knows anything. Oh my God, okay. it's not getting enough because you know what? We're so saturated. We're so saturated. Well, especially Netflix. Anything yeah. Netflix, too. Yeah. It's beautiful. Oh, yeah. I'll definitely watch so that. It's so gorgeous. It's um little bonus pick here. <laughs> it is a little bonus pick. Because I, okay, so yeah. I'll well, do a little joke. It's like, and it's a, not a radar. Yeah. <laughs> no radar today. So this is our, we're, we're combining it all. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. I want Maddie Jop, who's the, mm-hmm. um, she's French, and then her dad is Senegalese. He's the brother of the guy who made 
Tuki Buki, I think. Oh, really? And he's a musician, so it's just. But she is French. She's from France, uh-huh. so she's gonna direct it. Her okay. cinematographer Claire Mathon is, I think, should be the cinematographer. Okay. I think that actually works really well with this kind of sci-fi because she's done uh-huh. this supernatural kind of vibe. Okay, it's in French. Okay. These two, so it's like. So we okay. got two hunks and shag two, haircuts. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's an, obviously it's a dystopian future because guys yeah. are in the haircuts. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So did you say you? I didn't know if you wanted to take like bring over that element yeah. of like did you say like refugee kind of like no 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 the, just that just I was just going that on, was just on that about movie. how much I liked okay. Atlantic. So okay. basically, Maddie Diop, who's the director okay. and her cinematographer, who's Claire Mathon. Those are your elements. Are okay. my elements. Okay. She writes and directs and. Uh, she brings her cinematographer with her, and then Chalamet is speaking in French. Okay. All right. So we got two French-speaking hotties. We got sort of a, a climate change horror yeah. element. I mean, there's really not much even to picture. I was like, it's kind of on no. the page. It's kind of, you know, it's yeah, kind of perfect. Yeah, maybe they're two, like, young researchers in a lab or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe they're trying to, like, I'm trying to think if there's something. I mean, maybe that's just too much Thelma. I was like, it's sort of like climate change shit. And then also this, like, a speculative fiction emotional side. But that yeah. is pretty much Thelma. Or am I also pitching The Happening that... Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, wait, let's do that. <laughs> let's, but let's get it right this time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, the concept, yes. Yes. The you know. execution. Yeah, I'm not even sure Sometimes. what, like, the thing is. Oh, But it's yeah. basically a climate change-based... But it's maybe it's manifesting itself. Yeah. Maybe the, yeah. I mean, I know that's what the happening is. I'm sorry, I keep going back to that. But yeah, maybe it's like that climate change is manifesting itself in other these other ways, kind of like Little Joe or whatever, yeah. to where it's like yeah, manipulating. Like I don't know if it. I mean, Little Joe's plant life, but I don't know. Maybe there's something else. Like, I mean, there's so many movies when you think about it. It's I like know. the birds. Like the birds are pecking people's eyes out, or, or like the you what's know that Radiohead video. Well, sorry, this is like a deep cut yeah. from the '90s. Okay. There's a Radiohead video where, like, all the people, like, they're laying down in, like, this downtown business district. And then this almost, like, mass hysteria where, like, someone tries to help somebody laying down. And as soon as they, like, whisper to the person yeah. why they're laying down, then the other person lays down. <gasps> so know. it's, like, people just, I don't know. And that makes me think of Pontypool. Let's just yes. keep free associating. <laughs> exactly. Okay, we got some sort of Pontypool. We got French. Maybe we get some nice, like, French, uh, some whispering, some... Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure what's happening, but I Me like either. it already. Yeah. Sorry, we're save... we're keeping this one pretty loose. Maybe there's some improv. I'm just, I'm just trying to no. save the Chalamet from you know some fucking cheesy ass Greta Gerwig bullshit <laughs> or some Guadagnino sequels nightmare or yeah. like that canned. I think he was in a Woody Allen movie. He had to like give all the proceeds. Oh, or I'm something. sure he's like yeah, he's just like, as a giant apology to, yeah. uh, to so Earth. So let's save him and give him like a good director he wants yeah. to work with. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then I've already forgotten your actor's name because I haven't seen. Um, it's either uh, T O U or Teo because there's T-O-U. no H in it. But okay, yeah, yeah. Um, who's yeah. also like you know plays like a kind of maybe he's the bad boy. Like, oh yeah, like, bad boy of yeah. the lab. <laughs> he like his lab coat is like made of leather. Yeah. <laughs> so the leather he like rolls up his like that's... lab coat and puts like a pack of cigarettes. That's a duster, like... honey. That's a duster. Ooh. <laughs> Like, elements oh, of angel. No. I'm really trying to like desexualize him. Apparently, I'm like terrible haircut, duster. Okay, I, we we're starting to ruin these, it. We, we gotta, gotta turn these turn these hot boys down. Well, thanks for joining. You can subscribe to keep up with us. We're on Apple and Google and Spotify and now Stitcher. We yeah. figured that out. That puzzle. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> you can also drop us a line at storyboardpod at gmail.com via Instagram at storyboardpodcast or via Twitter at storyboard underscore pod. All the links of all the movies we talk about are in the episode notes. Talk to you in 2020. Ooh, brave new decade. <laughs> Sorry, I'm watching a lot of um, Travel Man with yeah, Richard Ayoade. <laughs> it's just like, we made it through the decade, but should we have come? But should we have come? <laughs>